Hello and welcome to the recommendation game Film of the Week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen We watch it and then we meet to discuss it I am Orla McNeilis I am Ricardo Deacon And you are listening to Dublin Digital Radio <laughs> Guys make fun of me So no. mean So mean I'm not making fun of you Also Ricardo's been very mean to me today um, Lies, so this lies. is all just Damn lies payback. and statistics <laughs> Uh, this week's movie is Being There from 1979, directed by Hal Ashby, produced by Andrew Bronsberg, screenplay by Jerzy Kosinski and Robert C. Jones, based on Being There by Jerzy Kosinski. If he has a house near the beach, <laughs> you can call it the Jersey Shore. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Starring Peter Sellers, Shirley MacLaine, Jack Warden, okay. Melvin Douglas, Richard Dessart and Richard Basehart. Music by Johnny Mandel, cinematography by Caleb Deschanel, and you would fucking know it, and edited by Don Zimmerman, which is a name I definitely know, I'm fairly sure. And the synopsis is, simple-minded Chance, a gardener who has resided in the Washington DC townhouse of his wealthy employer for his entire life and has been educated only by television, (gasps) is forced to vacate his home when his boss dies. While wandering the streets, he encounters business mogul Ben Rand, who assumes Chance to be a fellow upper-class gentleman. Soon Chance is ushered into high society, and his unaffected gardening wisdom makes him the talk of the town. Yeah, like that's a little bit kind of misleading on how he meets uh, Ben. Yeah, just, just just runs into him, you know. Yeah, Shirley MacLaine definitely doesn't just run him over. Um, well, like so. the chauffeur. <laughs> yeah, at her instructions. Uh, <laughs> so this week's film was picked by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this movie? Well, like I'll open as I sometimes do with the opening of uh, Roger Ebert's review for his great movies. Uh-huh. Of that's why you were fishing about for your yeah. phone. I understand that. Like, uh, I think it's, uh, you know how good of a writer he sometimes is and he pulls things out Quite of nowhere. Quite frequently, yeah. Um, do you know uh, Deep Blue, just in context? No. Deep Blue was the first computer that beat uh, a grandmaster in chess. Oh! Okay. I didn't know the name, that's interesting. So, uh, Ebert opens his review with... On the day that Kasparov was defeated by Deep Blue, I found myself thinking of the film being there. The chess champion said that there was something about the computer he did not understand, and it frightened him. There were moments when the computer seemed to be thinking. Of course, chess is not a game of thought, but of mathematical strategy. Deep Blue has demonstrated it is possible to to be very good at it without possessing consciousness. The classic test of AI has been, can a computer be programmed to conduct a conversation that seems human to another human? Being there is a film about a man whose mind works like like a rudimentary AI program. (laughs) And I think that that is quite (laughs) clever and also very poignant because I think that the movie's theme is that it is very easy to think as a computer, not only as Chansey or Chansey. Chansey, yes. Uh, Which just made me think of Duck's uh, dog yeah. in, in uh, Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> also, I just got to say Duck's dog, which was very enjoyable. Go on. But um, I think that this movie is a very strange movie. To uh, it's been why would you say that often being uh, compared very favorably of course to Forrest Gump that it, this is like the smart thinking Forrest Gump kind yeah. of thing the thinking man's Forrest Gump I think that like for one Hal Ashby is one of my favorite like uh, new Hollywood directors and it's uh, one of the forgotten ones as well like yeah uh, you what else did Hal Ashby do uh, well he did Harold and Maud. he did uh, Bound for Glory he did uh, Coming Home um <sighs> Did uh, some uh, uh, ton of film with Harvin, uh, uh, Harvin Wexler, mm. uh, which is brilliant. Like a uh, Bound for Glory in particular looks amazing. That it's the uh, Woody Guthrie bi- biopic with Robert Harrington and that's Woody Guthrie. Yeah, it's really really good because it's like Depression era dust bowl kind of thing. I have no idea how they did the special effects in the seventies to to do it, but. Uh, Ashby as well it's a very interesting character in himself that he was uh, like already in his 50s or something when the flower power hit <laughs> and he just fucking went mental hippie <laughs> kind of thing and uh, I think that's why sometimes he's forgotten in the new Hollywood um, yeah. directors because he was older and also because uh, he was kind of uh, washed out of the of the um, 
of the studio system because uh, people were accusing him of using too much cocaine, which he used a little bit to finish Bomb for Glory. Uh, that admittedly, even his friends were saying that like uh, afterwards it became a problem. Yeah. But for Bomb for Glory, it was more like he was so overworked and instead of taking amphetamines or something else to like keep himself coming or coffee, he was doing like a bump of coke in the morning kind of thing. Yeah. Which is not ideal. I'm not like defending coke usage, but it's not that it was affecting his work at that time. Uh, it is a bizarre pro- thing at that time to like he wasn't some Peckinpah that's, that's what, my all point. I thought was Peckinpah and I was like he still got to make movies well, that like, seems uh, very unfair his most profitable movie was Convoy which uh, was like ghost directed by uh, by <laughs> because of, he literally couldn't stand yeah well like he didn't uh, he could stand but he wouldn't leave his trailer because <laughs> that's where the coke was he could stand in his trailer to do coke but like I think that this movie Hal Ashby uh, the reason I brought him up is because he used to be uh, Norman Jewison's editor uh, and I really like Norman Jewison as a director he of what fame? Uh, he did Fiddler on the Roof and, oh, uh, like, uh, oh I didn't realise okay okay I'm, I very much see the editor director in this yeah. definitely there's some nice sequences of and also is that like it's very particular uh, pacing in this movie that I find that the movie could have been very boring but like there's there's a lot of scenes of nothing really happening that is yeah. just like Peter Sellers moving around and Ashby trusts himself and the audience to like linger and watch him do the process that we keep talking about like when he's like just dressing himself or like the spaces the are, are really interesting though he's yeah. always moving around some very interesting and obviously beautifully shot like I house think it's, or... uh, Caleb Deschanel's like first main kind of uh film perhaps as like main main cinematographer i Mm. might be incorrect there but uh i also find like really interesting like the peter sellers in this i think is one of the great performances because he doesn't really do much but there's so much there at the same time yeah it's a film that is both funny but doesn't make you really laugh like uh it, it has until the very end it has a very good handle of tone, I think. Yeah. Until, which is strange that, like, it gets ruined by the credits. Though, like, it yeah, has that, that weird, weird credit scene that it goes into bloopers. And you're like, especially because the ending that we will get to is one of the greatest endings in film history. And also one of the most famous ones. The, uh, from Ebert to, uh, I mentioned because it's one of Ebert's favorite films. Like, Ebert used to do, like... Uh, things in Sundance and uh, in other festivals that he'd uh, sit there for nine hours with an audience pausing the film and talking uh, and talking and he'd um, he used this film a couple of times and when it came to the ending people like it's such a big discussion about what it is because it's not precisely a plot twist but it changes everything that has come before it the meaning of it and I think it's one of those few films that it changes the fabric of the film to such a degree mm. that watching it once, you haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Because then you start getting the clue, but it's clues of what's going to happen. But it's so subtle at the same time that it's so open to interpretation that every little thing that he says and the way that the film portrays certain aspects of culture and society and religion and politics and everything else Mm. that this moment even moments that i thought were weak the first time that i was watching along and then because of that ending so what you're saying is this is a two-watch movie yeah like i think that like uh, (laughs) which is perfect for this podcast (laughs) yeah but but at the same time i wanted to have a discussion about like having like that, that initial hit because most people that i've talked to that have seen this movie has seen the movie like myself many times yeah so you're still like picking up like you start like paying attention to like the amazing shot of him like walking up and then like the camera like tilts up and you see Capitol what's Hill so at funny the end. about that is that um i didn't like re- i had no idea what was coming at the end and uh and then just before as he starts to walk i was like he's gonna float and i was like oh that's that movie we all float down here <laughs> yeah i was like there we go well like it's kind of uh uh giveaway is one of those few posters that kind of ruins the ending because the poster is the lake and the house in the background and him floating oh really like walking up like a fake stairs which doesn't happen in the movie oh, should i just realize i 
didn't do the social media today because I would have known that. <laughs> but like, uh, but that's the like the poster in the movie. But it's kind of a painting, so it's kind of yeah, like, it's because a, of ambiguous. the connotations, uh, uh, you might get away with it without realizing. Also, because it's slightly different, but the execution is so perfect because Sellers is, you can tell that he's a, a physical comedian because he does so much with little things. Yeah, I. I crack myself laughing like one of my favorite characters in the movie is the guy that uh, operates the elevator <laughs> uh, he keeps like thinking <laughs> that Chansey is the, the funniest guy ever <laughs> or how like it's also I picked it because a lot of people would say that this movie was ridiculous when it came out and considering who's sitting in the White House right now it kind of <laughs> like it, it's very prescient of the way of like TV news and the idea of like a celebrity president or celebrity people in politics and the the idea of dumbing down shit yeah. and that if you're white you can get a shit. Or the prominence of television, shit, uh, yeah. The prominence of television in, in politics uh, as well. Well, the idea of the, the movie is precisely that you, like if you're dressed right and you look right, people just take you seriously no matter what you say. Yeah. And it's kind of a very... Uh, like for, especially for the 70s it's very uh nuanced as well it's a satire that is not over the top mm. it's a there's very few satire films that are not like fucking <laughs> just crazy kind of run and gun kind of situation that this is so measured and so in a way also very meditative as a movie that mm. it just flows like in a way, working with the mind of Chauncey, like that, it just goes around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, also, like, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Shirley MacLaine, but I love her in this movie, and I think that yeah, she. I don't like. I like like her, but I do. I like her a lot in this. Like, she's. And also, like, I think, like, strangely, like something that I've never felt, but I feel attracted to her in this movie. Yeah. Which is like. Uh, yeah. No, she is hot. And also, like, one of my favorite things in the entire movie is, uh, like, the little uh, roadway that goes into Ben's house. Yeah. That there's, like, a Texaco and a McDonald's right across the road. So they're like, oh, look how posh this is. And you just see, like, the golden <laughs> arches in the background, like, yeah. in between. But, like, in beautiful 70s oh, grainy yeah. oh, film. Oh, well, I did very much appreciate the shots of, like, yeah. 70s Washington. I was like, what? What a shithole. Oh, my God, yes. Inner city Washington. Not like that, no but yeah um, so since uh, you didn't do the the social media I have absolutely no clue of what you oh, think yeah. of this movie oh you didn't get the indication yeah. sorry and then also like this movie is kind of like it could be divisive I think sorry I'm just gonna get my glasses just to hold you in suspense <laughs> go on like, I also feel that this movie could be divisive because it is a very particular pacing, particular movie. And it is, in a way, like, part of it, like, you know, that you'd be interested in, like, politics and stuff like that. Satire, you'd get American politics of the 70s kind of thing. <laughs> but, like, uh, the execution itself, I didn't know if you would appreciate it or not. No, that, like, you're, you like Kill of Dishnell, so I was like, okay, fine. At least one good thing. <laughs> yeah, say that there. Uh, without further ado, what did you think of being there? Uh, well, uh, ninety. This is episode ninety-nine of the podcast, right? Which is like, you know, yeah, it's a long time. It's a lot of movies. Um, I've been like, you know, like confused or annoyed or or disappointed. Um, I've never been bored though. Um. And then that changed uh, with this movie. <laughs> you were bored by it? Yes. For it's just quite an honor. Re- like, it's, 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 the whole, it's the whole thing, right? Um, like, I sat there for the first hour trying to gel with, with this film. And I was thinking about it earlier. And I was like, what, what is it that I hated so much about this? And I think... It was because like, I was looking at my notes from when I was watching it and very early in, like, you know, like 15 minutes in, I was like, OK, I know what's going to happen. 
And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I, I know, I know, I know the conceit. I know the, the joke now, you know, like that's, that's fine. Cool. Okay. So he's going to go out into the world. He's going to run into somebody. Like I knew nothing about this whatsoever. He's going to go out into the world. He's going to run into somebody and he's going to make their lives better. And, you know, like he's and like the whole idea of him, people taking him completely at face value and like, you know, this whole thing, cause it's, it's there in the first meeting with with the solicitor guy and that yeah. and everything and it's there and you know in a way like that kind of sums up the whole movie because he's he is politics he is out you know he's kind of got the whole angle there um we'll say that that guy has a very interesting scene later and there's some very nice intercutting whenever he's actually at the thing with the russian ambassador and everything and like that scene um is is kind of is very interesting um but uh yeah so i was like uh okay so uh, the wise fool and the the projection of everyone onto him and how every person is taking something different for him from him while he just sort of wanders around, and um, uh, yeah, and then that's what happened. And every scene is the sat that scene, just kind of over and over again. And I was like, okay. Um, now I like Peter Sellers. I'm not like a massive Peter Sellers fan, but like obviously I like you know fucking. Um, uh, Kubrick um, no I don't think I've never never seen any of his Pink Panthers oh my god yeah no oh like I didn't god. I didn't grow up with him at all like, I the didn't only, grow up with him the only thing I I've ever watched the Pink Panther as an adult okay and it's amazing Blake okay. Edwards like it's great oh director, yeah no the original ones are really good though but that's well, kind like, of all of them were directed famous. by Blake Edwards the um, four of them um, well I'm like what about the reboot though with fucking Steve Martin well like that's not like uh, yeah, not yeah, talking I know, about but, them, like, like that's the first that was the first sort of thing I ever saw of Pink oh, Panther okay. so it's kind of tainted you didn't watch but, the cartoon oh well that as well obviously but I mean like okay we'll group, we'll group them all together then um, that's fine um, uh, yeah like you know I've you know obviously um, um, the fucking I've completely forgotten the name of the Kubrick film with Peter Sellers Oh, uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, sorry. Oh, um, yeah. Dimitri. Yeah, Dimitri. like I remember watching We're that. We're both equally sorry, Dimitri. <laughs> no, we, we cannot devolve <laughs> devolve into just quoting as much as I would enjoy that so much more than I did this movie. Um, oh Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, and like I mean, <laughs> I didn't want this to happen to me. People like always, you know, say to Marker mode like, "Oh, you love it. You just love to hate a movie," and he's like, "No." I have to go and sit there for two and a half hours and watch it. It's awful. This is revenge for away we go. This is revenge for away we go. No, it's not. Because I'm not angry. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not angry at the film. Because I don't think that, uh, no, but just to clarify, like, obviously it's not revenge, but just to say that it's not the same kind of feeling that you had where everything that was wrong with the world was embodied by that one Sam Mendes film. Um, Of course. (laughs) um, No, it's not that. Um, It's a hill I'm willing to die on. Of all the hells, um, yeah, like I, it, it, I, I waited, I waited for this for this film to like to hit me, you know. Oh, yeah, sorry, back back to Peter Sellers. Yeah, so uh, I would say like Doctor Strange and everything. So like I like him, I like him as a comedian and everything, and like you know, he's very likable, but he's just he's it's just the same. It's the same. It's so repetitive. I found it like painfully repetitive and everything you're saying about this being like a subtle satire no because no like subtle in the in the filmmaking sense i'm not saying that like people wouldn't realize that it's a satire kind of satire yeah okay 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 you didn't clarify that that's fine um you know what it made me think of a lot and it wasn't forrest gump at all although you know like there are comparisons there and and like i think that like this this is like a whole new thing this is kind of like it this is a whole new genre of that kind of character that i dislike which we had in something like um mr smith goes to washington like the over you know enthusiastic man child this is he's not that character exactly he's the boring man child um which is also annoying um but anyways i mean i don't want to knock on peter sellers too much because i don't think this is despite the fact that i think this is his baby and peter sellers was clearly a madman anyways and we can talk about that in a while because i think this film says an awful lot about peter sellers which is really very depressing but um like uh, i the film i thought about a lot was network um and i think that like they're comparable in a lot of ways and i like i don't think i don't think network is is a brilliant film by any like it's it's really i love network like it's great and but like i actually don't enjoy the network at all uh, well, I mean, like, I remember 
I loved it and then I remember me watching it not that long ago and kind of going like yeah this really doesn't hold up as much yeah. as I thought it does and it doesn't at all but I think that like network is more successful in some of the, the things it does like the idea of like the kind of you know like the, the break like the a person going through a breakdown basically becomes this beacon for kind of like the disaffected public or whatever like you know it's obviously not the complete same thing here but like how people project onto someone like whatever they want and take from them and you know the kind of the, the very like the sharp critique of the media in the 1970s and everything as well and the use of television and ads and that's another thing actually that really annoyed me um is the overuse of television in this like i yeah. think at the beginning it's very interesting um when he's alone in the house and then it's the continual well like in the in a way that is a very 70s thing that even yeah. like the remote was just like invented kind of thing yeah and I think it that feels now kitschy. then now it would feel like overused like if you made a movie that way, but or like watching was, this movie now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, precisely that. Uh, in this case, it, it is like the first film that people were like, "You're watching too many tele, too much television." Yeah, and that, that's uh, fine. Hadn't come before, so it's kind of like hit you in the head. Is a little yeah. bit kind of same way. Like when the first film comes out, it's going like war is hell. Yeah, and you kind Whoa. of have to go like <laughs> over the top and go like, "No, no, it's not entertaining." It Remember is. John it's Wayne? really shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I think one that, like, fundamentally, it's, like, the tone of this that really killed me. Um, it's, it's the strange mix of, like, the, it's, like, the whimsical, gratingly, like, whimsical bullshit mixed with the kind of deadpan and, like, then this sort of weird dose of, like, the sexuality and, like, it's funny whenever you said Harold and Maude and I was thinking about how much I fucking hated Harold and Maude whenever we watched it in college and I was like, this is awful. And, like, just how he handled the sexuality of his characters that in a film that should have been really positive about, like, you know, an older woman and her sexuality yeah. and how it became just so, like, mishandled in a 70s well, way like, but badly in a 70s I'll, way. I'll say this, the, uh, everybody that likes this movie. Yeah says that the the oh god all, more than anything is that it negates what you've learned from the character that like the character Shirley MacLaine's character would not fall for Chauncey kind of it's, thing it that, becomes it's it's yeah it's and it's so much of the film it's really long like this whole extended sequence like it does, of like for me uh, it's more like the like the bit it's not like their relationship altogether it's when it shifts no, into sexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thing, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking about thing. their relationship altogether because, like, her feeling close to him is a very different thing. Yeah. Because, like, that's her way of projecting onto yeah. him because she's a lonely person and her husband is dying, and you completely understand that. Her relationship with him is the only thing I find interesting. And then, well, kind of Shirley MacLaine's relationship with everyone because she is really great, but. Uh, even with her husband as well, like they have some nice moments where Carter's looking very sad. Oh, the bottom lip, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, and then suddenly, suddenly it, it becomes, it's this f- just soup of like, what the fuck is, what? And it just keeps on going and it's like, I like to watch. And it's like, oh God, it turns into a carry on yeah. film. It's really uncomfortable. Like uh, and, I, I do I do agree with okay. that part. I'm not going to defend okay. that. Okay, well, like, that's, uh, that's good. I, I never would say also that this is a flawless movie, yeah. but it is like, I will defend it in a few minutes. I'll give you your due <laughs> okay, now. Okay, well, I, I am continue. curious as well what you think are the other, um, the other, uh, the other flaws in this yeah. like definitely but um well your perceived flaws well no what you you're what you think because you're saying you don't think it's flawless but that oh yeah like other yeah. than shirley mclean i'd be interested to see like what else oh, you okay think yes. is, um, or like that particular part of shirley mclean let's say because we don't want to like completely brunt because she is really great um yeah like the other thing like i was thinking of especially in relation to the kind of the deadpan and, and the mix of deadpan and, and satire and everything and, and like poignancy and all those things and all i thought was chorus mackie and I was like, why Why is it that Chorus Mackie works for me and this doesn't? Like, fundamentally, they are polar opposites in my brain. And, like, I was thinking about how the thing about Chorus Mackie is that he creates a world around his characters. Like, he, you know, like, the, the like, Every, everything is deadpan within 
Kurosaki's world and that is the strength of it that it's like these odd odd otherworldly characters and they're whimsical in certain ways but like the entire world around them they are insulated by this kind of like bubble and you're just watching it and it, it ends up becoming poignant through its deadpan layer and like the humanism behind it and everything and I don't think that like Hal Ashby is like just don't think it's cynical about this whatsoever I don't think you know what I mean like I don't I don't mean it that way I just found it just so many missteps kind of combined that it, well, I just I couldn't couldn't connect at all um yeah like this this is like one sort of deadpan character surrounded by strange like sometimes overwrought sometimes not like there are some scenes like the scene with the gay guy and it's like what like what is the scene and it's like everyone's so attracted to him and it's so crazy like what crazy washington and the guy with the gay like, guy reminded oh. me of the the scene in the american cycle where he's like washing his hands with his gloves on <laughs> and the the gay guy that works in the firm as well they're obviously like it's the 80s so he has to mm. be fucking wearing well, a bow tie or something yes. and comes in and starts washing his hands with him and like patrick is like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> then even like patrick Baymer yeah. has this limit <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it's like the, this particular view like in a way like in american psycho in the movie because it's mary Hearn, the She's making a comment on how gay people were viewed in the eighties. Is not yeah that she's from the nineties standpoint. Yeah, but this yeah. is kind of like the other way around. That is like yeah pre-gay epidemic. Uh, if we're yeah. gonna sh- uh, sorry pre-AIDS epidemic, not pre-gay epidemic. Yeah, I'm glad you made uh, that correction. Um. That like the it was when the never gonna say and will never be a point of the AIDS epidemic being anything good but something that came out it's of a it serious awareness yes that it became uh, the uh, gay people were coming out of the closet even like for the fact that they were ill yeah so you realize that like your postman was gay and your brother was gay and your cousin and whatever and your they started <laughs> yeah like you know what i mean like yeah, people yeah. like the guy that you fucking shopped in the deli or whatever yeah that, that it became less of a fictitious Alien world thing. of yeah uh, uh, separate from you yeah 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 no that that is a good point but like that against cruising or something you know uh, yeah like, like that that just it felt really like it felt misjudged but at the same time it's the 70s so okay but it's just a whole series of those things either, yeah but it's kind it's of, a whole um, series of things like that that uh, just yeah like then pitted against like this deadpan character and like the whole the tone of it everything grated and it was just it felt so make america great again the the whole the whole thing uh you know finding america grating these days um yeah the cheddar cheese the whole um the whole thing just like so did you like it overall? No, no, no. I I feel like it just it felt obvious, and I I was watching it and I was like, I understand what this film is trying to do, but it just I I just I couldn't connect with it on any level whatsoever. And like even I thought like maybe maybe like if it was like funny that you know like funny funny maybe that and i was like i don't i don't i honestly don't even know because then it would have been a whole other film and i couldn't tell you but I, like i was sitting there watching it the other day and i was like oh, i'm really enjoying this and in my head i was like i bet Orla is gonna hate it <laughs> you know That's like me every felt week. as i was watching it that i felt like okay <laughs> this has something about it that i think that yeah, Orla is yeah, not gonna like yeah, yeah. But it, it, just going can back you to put the, your finger on it because i can't completely completely well, part i think is the uh so like not saying sometimes it's like it's not right or wrong way of viewing a film but like i think that is like thematically throughout your picks and my picks of what like you've picked that you liked yeah and i disliked and that you liked the picks of mine that you li- disliked that i like obviously is that you're very focused on character yeah and every character has to be kind of interesting or whatnot that is like sometimes i'm not saying that you don't appreciate like theme and structure and all the other things you know is that for me sometimes like a film like this but i'll get to it as well like i think that it's not 
altogether that way. But when the characters are not as well drawn as the films that you choose, let's say, mm. uh, you feel the disconnect with the theme. While I go, I don't need the character. If the themes are well presented through film, let's say, I'm actually like, in a way, I appreciate the distance from the film. Like the same way why I like Kubrick and Barry Lyndon is my favorite Kubrick film. Because of that distance. Okay, I don't think that's entirely true. Well, like I'm saying that it is a pattern. That like there's a lot of films that you've picked that you go, but the characters, and I go, but the rest of the film is shit. And then a lot of the time, you're not necessarily talking about theme, though. Yeah, but it's like, but also no. I think my my disagreement is not that I do definitely think that I probably. I'm less able well, to like, get well, whatever over whatever is in the background of the movie. Yeah, but, uh, but I don't think it's I don't think it's up against theme because I think what you're describing there about being able to be like you know almost detached from the characters or is atmosphere even, or no, anything I, like, well, yeah, I mean like like this is a bigger stumble let's say because it doesn't seem that you were caught on either with the themes or whatever. No, no, this but, is like, yeah because but, no, if I like that's the thing is that you, like like I didn't mention what? it on purpose. Yeah, uh, in my opening because I wanted to uh, see if you were drawn to it automatically, let's say. So one of the reasons that I really like this film is that it has one of the, I feel, one of the best portrayals of death, like as a theme in the movie. And I think that even like it runs through from the beginning to the end of the movie. And it is very mellow and complex in its ideas of death and people and going and what can you forgive and not. And also about like, the the legacy you leave behind etc so you say um, that and i'm like yeah that's interesting wish i'd like wish i wish the film had handled those things well because i don't feel like it does at all like, like i feel it does uh, like uh but the the main thing like in that sense is uh, something that uh, i saw in fucking film essay the other day i can't remember who did it i'll try to link it if i remember that it was about a different kind of storytelling that most people go like oh the like the what's his name fucking frost or whatever the guy that writes the screenwriting guides and all this shit that you mm-hmm. have the, the rules Leonard, oh um I was Ro- robert mckee i was about to say leonard malton is it robert mckee or uh, robert uh, richard mckee or something uh, no i know who you mean though it's your man who um your man on, he's um, in adaptation brian cox plays him in adaptation um, your man on those cinema, those film essays always quotes him. Um, yeah, yeah lessons from the screenplay. Lessons from the screenplay. Yeah. He always, yeah, yeah. There's a he has, he has like five books that he yeah. constantly mentions. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, let's say Robert McKee, whatever. There's like main character has to have an arc or whatever. But there's also like a, a type of storytelling called the arcless main character. Mm-hmm. That he's the catalyst for everything else. Like a recent example that is really effective is Paddington. Yeah. The Paddington starts the movie as Paddington. And, and then Paddington. Uh, Paddington. <laughs> Still cute. And also you have the, the idea that it's like the um, change becomes like the belief of like a s- central lie. And if the character changes is, is because it's the change of that belief of that lie. Mm-hmm. So let's say... If you change in the movie begins with somebody that is angry, he thinks that he can never change. That's the like. He's not an angry person. He's just being angry because the lies that he can't change. Uh, yeah. And then he finds the truth. And usually is that everybody else doesn't believe the truth, the, the lie. So he'll get like a girlfriend or a mother or whatever that goes like, you can do better. <laughs> or the boyfriend or something else you know what i mean but but it's also like the trope as well the 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 trope that is like the oh yeah my trouble i'm a troubled woman but my troubles are not as important as your troubles Uh so i'm here just to help (laughs) you help you you out of your not to feel that she's gonna come into your life and make it better but she won't feel like Uh, a real person quick aside uh, there's this, a, so what you're describing there is the standard arc plot or arc yeah, yeah yeah and then the other arc is that the, everybody else believes the lie except the central character they're like or in, in this case pa- doesn't understand the lie then paddington is that uh paddington's the the lie in this case is the truth uh, in paddington is that you can get along by just being nice to people yeah and everybody else doesn't believe it and then because they're surrounded by paddington 
yeah. that happens. And it's I, not like I did. I've never heard it, what it's actually called. Yeah. But yeah, like it's not an. It's not that uncommon. A, it's not that uncommon, yeah. but it's uh, generally kind of. Uh, unless somebody that is as good as the, it's a harder str- type of screenplay to write, yeah, because the main character is interesting because everybody else is interesting, yeah, and I think in this case it is the same thing, like yeah, that, oh yeah, because... but there, like there, there is like I think Paddington is a good example though of how like people are just kind of drawn yeah. to Paddington, and then you know in the end he just you know what I mean? It's like it, whereas in this like there is a way to handle that, and then there's a way where it's just women throwing themselves at but... him and saying how handsome he is, and it's like. Like, uh. Well, a part of that as well, like I think is uh, in a way well, uh, uh, of Hollywood at the time, like uh, 70s or whatever, the celebrity present, like in a way, this movie really, they thought, oh, they, they were so right about Reagan because they were seeing Reagan's rise. That's yeah. what the, the writer yeah. saw, uh, uh, wrote about. And yeah, because it's seventy nine. So yeah, it, it, like Reagan was governor of California at the time. Yeah, and uh, but not only that, it was the the idea that people never paid attention to Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. and then somebody on TV said Reagan is handsome, and then the next day there was like wall to wall coverage about Reagan being hot. Yeah, just because suddenly he's hot, and then like women, like even in his rallies and or like whatever tour stops or whatever the the change in the audience yeah like just because it's of how just TV the change changed of them. perception of what of yeah. what a person is and what you know yeah that's like 100 percent, and that that's interesting but again uh, badly a, handled I, I like the 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 way that bed in particular is so nuanced that he says such like great but even in the funeral you're like i don't know if i hate the bastard or not like Despite his they, weird Illuminati fucking grave. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it was more like the in a way as well. As if you're always rich, like he says, and he admits that he's always mm. been rich, that he goes, oh, uh, might as well fuck it. Like if I was that rich, if you're like that rich that you get sick and you just, just have keep, oxygen in your room or whatever. Just keep giving me blood transfusions. I need to go to dinner. Yeah. Blood. <laughs> Fresh blood, please. <laughs> uh, but... Um, which is like a not very subtle reference to like vampires and capitalist well, society. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I like the line when there the president is quoting the like Ben and President Bobby as he is in the credits, <laughs> which I love. That uh, like he goes, "Oh, I never had time or a need for the people that are welfare, or whatever." And then you go like, "Oh, what a bastard, rich person!" And then he goes. But and I suppose that they never had the need or the time for me either. Mm. There is this understanding between like um, poor people hate me too. No, no, in the sense of like that he is, like he has this idea of about improving the world, mm. but at the same time understanding that Why he's they, not really helping. The, he's like not the, the person to do it. Yeah, yeah. That it, he goes like about power and and the idea of like wielding it wisely in the sense of like i i'm lucky enough to have the power so he tries to wield it through the people and the for the people uh, yeah like fucking <laughs> like the like the, the, oh, when people say people i get too like one is tom hardy in <laughs> In Batman, obviously, but the other one. the time for fear. But that comes comes later. later. Well, my favorite one though is Alan Rickman as the Valera and Michael Collins. He's like (laughs) the people with the side, with me as the person. We also watched um, Prince of Thieves. So. Oh my God! (laughs) You nine o'clock. You nine fifteen. Bring a friend. Oh my god! There are so many scenes of Kevin Costner just smacking Marion on the yeah. ass, and I'm like, oh my god, this is no, this is so 1991. I've aged better than that movie has. Another thing, like this movie looks amazing. Oh god, the 1970s. I just, like, no one will ever be able to top that decade for just sheer beauty on celluloid. Like, I, like, oh, in the last like, hope, like, how many episodes we've done where I've just been like, mm, mwah, mwah. Yes. One of my favorite things the as screen, well is like the, there's nothing else to do. One of the those little moments in the film that is a completely throwaway character, but the performance is so bizarre 
that like it just is it the little rushed. kids that yeah the oh rock my god where is that oh fucking... god that was so bad I he just keeps saying cracker or is it cracker he says i can't even remember but it's just like oh god gonna... all of them are terrible which is so annoying because he's walking along in like you know this gritty like and it, it's proper yeah. 70s as well like and it's, it's just like inner city it's so good and then literally the worst extras i've ever ever I seen the music oh, is so like, but it turns into West Side Story. Like, he's there with a switchblade. Like, tell Raphael oh, to come over here like, and tell him myself. There's a graffiti oh. bit on the on the. Wall oh, the, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. America ain't nothing because the whites have a god complex. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. round of applause. Yeah. Well, round I was just looking at it and I was like, that's the kind of thing they'd paint at now when you're watching, like, fucking um, The Juice or something. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, no. But that's like, no, no. Like, that's literally what it was like. It's just, oh, oh detail yeah, uh, yeah our art department in this is is glorious as well yeah. like the entire interior of that car i love him she's like would you like a drink and she just flips up the little thing and he's like can i watch television and there's a tv in the level i was like oh i love that and there's a 70s just tv the like opulence of it the like, fucking tv with it like massive tv with tv the... yeah you think of how much money that cost back then what a oh. fucking pencil yeah, what the fucking Pencil. The, uh, the other, the other issue that I have with the movie that I, oh that yeah, I sorry, I'm I'm curious. I think that for one, I'm one of the like I love character actors. Yeah, I love them, but I never liked Jack Warden as an actor. Which like, one's he? He's the president. Oh no! Like, and that's and the, oh wait, I just remembered another thing that really annoyed me because he is in all the president's men. Yeah, I I think that. But yeah, that really annoyed me because he's so good in that, and then he turns up on this, and I'm just like ah. Like he like he all the president's men is one of the few performances that I like of his. Yeah. Like he also. But I think he, in all, that he's playing off of everyone that feels yeah. it's all very natural, and they're in the actual Washington Post. Like and, I think it might be the also the like the that kind of character actor that gets like genre casted like like fucking uh, Bruce Greenwood is always the yeah. president yeah okay I think you might be right and he's what always, else is he in he's like in Justice for All uh, he's, he plays a lot of judges oh. like in politicians and like police sergeants you know like that like yeah. people with power but always either in two modes one that is like grumpy <laughs> or silly and it's always like a Jack Warden performance that even like all the present men he keeps it down a bit but he's playing mm. grumpy Jack Warden it's like it stops to be like if you watch one film or two with him it's kind of okay but I've watched so many 70s movies and it's always like one or the other oh. that you're like I've seen this performance yeah. before and it becomes distracting the most important man in the United States is President Nixon <laughs> it's the opposite of like Emmett Walsh or Hardy Dean Stanton that is like you're see them in every movie and it's like even the fucking youth with a who are you like youth in revolt like fucking <laughs> Emmett Walsh pops in and you're like oh okay okay like, uh, do, I'll go for I, the ride I'm on board and you don't know what they're gonna give you like yeah. fucking Harry Dean like back when Gary Oldman was still good in the Avengers is one of my favorite things yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah like uh, I think that not only his performance I don't like is that I think that it was one of the few moments for me that the in the sense of the satire or what they're doing with the political mm. side of things is that I think that he should be more competent and more comfortable. Yeah. That it's like, like, okay, the fucking, for one, the sexuality, again, it's very like, very animal house kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of like the moment oh, when she's man. trying to like jack your man off in animal oh. house and she goes, oh, is it always meant to be this soft? And he goes, just fucking keep shaking it. But like, uh, <laughs> it's very very like kind of crude Didn't that way need to explain it but okay uh, uh, <laughs> but in this is also like that i think that would have been more interesting as a, a moment for me that mm. if he was a competent president that like obviously it's like through uh going through like a period of change in the economy so like it's like there's no right answers because it's like to fix an economy it's always the problem that you the short term will win you votes, but the long term is what yeah. you should be doing. You're going to fix it, but you're not going to be in power in four years. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what's the fucking point? And also, like, your approval will drop or whatever. Mm. And uh, you'll be able to do nothing else in the meantime. Yeah. like and <laughs> the, Obama. And the thing is that um, with the, 
with this is that it would have been way more interesting if he didn't understand why everybody is going through like yeah i did think about would this film be improved if there was a character who well, you know who's like the voice of reason or like something like you think that there are but like because like the you doctor know. like Robert the doctor I think yeah. he's a really good character yeah. but even when he finds out that he's like he's not swindling them no or whatever like he's not looking for money he's not like he's, he's not free. trying to gain power or influence yeah. he just wants dinner and a garden and then the Ben says is like that he's about to tell him and he goes it's the first time that I felt comfortable with the thought of dying yeah it's like uh the way that the ending worked, like, for me, worked the first time that I watched it. Like, I enjoyed the movie, but there was, like, more flaws than I think now watching. Like, even I do in the way that wanna... he doesn't change, etc. I don't think that's a problem. Um, Like, what? <laughs> no, 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 you're going to um, No, I just want to say that, um, even though I really didn't like this, um, I am willing to watch it again. Because I think what you're saying about the ending is kind of interesting. And I think now that I kind of know what, what it is... Or not what it is, but I can't. I I don't know. I I'm willing to give this another try, because, sometime. Like it doesn't have like this thing that even like when you start thinking about like Christianity and stuff, it's mm. like is it a comic? Because like the film. How are we all collectively becomes, ignoring what's right in front of us? But not only that is that like the film becomes like subtle in the satire and only in the filmmaker, but in a way of because of that ending, mm. because you don't know what exactly it's referring to, but it, obviously it's something that is very thought through because it's not only in the book, but in the book it's slightly different because Have it's not a visual book? term. Yeah. Like years yeah. and years ago. Good. Uh, yeah. It's good. And it's like the, the way that uh, Sellers wanted to make the movies that he said that in between movies, he had no personality. So he wanted to play a character with no personality mm. because this was very much himself. He said like in between, which is very depressing. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, I love for one, the execution, the way that he just walks and then puts the, the umbrella yeah, and down. Yeah, it just goes down. That's goes very down. Peter Sellers, though. It's a perfect little moment of, like, yeah, like, physical acting and comedy. Well, like, what's hilarious as well, like, I can't remember who commented on it, the, uh, the difference between he, he, be, the character and being there even without that ending and uh, Inspector Clouseau is that Clouseau knows he's an idiot. So, like, he has to hide it from everybody very badly. He doesn't do a good job. But he thinks he's such an idiot that he thinks that he's hiding it from everybody else. So, like, the stakes is him trying to hide it. In the cases that here he's playing another uh, unintelligent character, but in a way that, like, is completely different. But then it's like, is it an unintelligent character? Because it doesn't even fucking know the origins of the character. If he's, like, the dad or, or not. Like, he walks on water. And then it's like, it comes to like even Christianity it's like all these platitudes you start comparing like the platitudes that Jesus says or whatever mm. or any other religion that says like oh love thy neighbor it's like obvious shit you know like mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. summer spring whatever you know what I mean like summer autumn winter spring and summer again that so you can get meaning interpretation or whatever if you're throwing at anything you know I think as well it says a lot about like I think, like, the one interesting thing about his performance, although it only works, I think, in certain scenes, is, like, all about, like, the cadence and the way he says things. Yeah. And, like, he has a very particular... Like, at times, it's overly simplified and childlike. And at other times, like... I think as the film progresses and he becomes happier as a character, because I think there is a certain level of yeah. like development there as he becomes that he feels that, you know, like he suddenly has all these people in his life. Um, but that, then it's like, when you know the ending, it's like, but... It, is he even human? And yeah. then it, what is, is he happy because he sold the lie and improved something mm. that like he improved like the success that he's there, like an angel or something to improve I, people's lives. I did lives. think of, um, of, uh, what do you call it? Um, Vim Vendors, um, uh, Wings of Desire. Yeah. I did think of Wings of Desire a good, but like, well, particularly because of that ending, but like, and I think that like, uh, it goes into like, then every scene has a different meaning. Because he's pretending not to be smart. He's pretending to be a human, perhaps. Or is he? Or is, is it that, the ending? Of... Is that more interesting? I, I don't know, like, if that he is actually aware. Or is it, like, if some sort of, like, you know, that if he is an angel and the way that, like, you're reincarnated and you don't know you or what you were before or whatever, like, you know. Yeah, it's... but then you still have, like, a, a training, let's say, a, a mm. principle. If you're saying that he's an angel, he has a purpose. 
because you're like that's the thing is like the interpretation of what is he a fucking alien and he's just like trying to like pass off as human mm. it's like there's so many things but then it's also like even the little interactions that he has it understands why he learns through tv mm. because he's locked in somewhere it's that and why he can't read yeah that is not it's just that he can't be taught because like maybe his eyesight is different maybe what is eyesight or whatever <laughs> and then it's like but then you go in and it's like what is eyesight but then it's like what is death in this case because you don't know what the character stands, what the character even is, mm. and he's the central character. Everything, every storyline is being linked through it, and then it becomes that you start going like into the principle of going on not only like the politics of everything or the simplification of everything, mm. but then on the idea of like purpose and on uh, identity and stuff like that. That then you also have. In a way, uh, somebody can remember this. I read years and years ago. Probably never find that if, let's say, Peter Sellers is Jesus Christ, is also links the way that people look at religion. Mm-hmm. That the black characters that uh, customarily have very uh, engaging and very animatic, uh, uh, animated sermons and service don't buy him. Because that's not the God that they imagine. Mm-hmm. All the white Whereas, people like, that the are white kind people, of like yeah. strolling in or whatever. He becomes, it's like almost like the like word a, of God or whatever. Like a priest, yeah. And it's like that the the black maid goes like, oh, hogwash altogether. He's a simpleton. Mm. But then it's like, but is he? Like, that's the thing. Because of that ending. Because everybody, if that ending is not there. He's just a simpleton. You know what I mean? Mm. But is he truly trying to say a good message, but because he's not human or whatever, not able to process it, and these people are actually getting the correct message <sighs> through whatever? And like, it's strange that, like, how a movie, in a way, is interesting in its own. It's the only movie that I've seen that has done this. I have not seen any other movie that changes completely because of its ending. Because even something like Usual Suspects, the movie doesn't change. It's just a plot no, twist. Yeah. It happens or whatever. Or, well, everything I mean, is a lie. Even, even something like Phoenix or, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's like you already know. It's just the, it's the, it's the execution of yeah. him discovering and, and her, her like, um, you know, no longer giving a fuck. Um, yeah, I, I think that's interesting what you're saying. Um, again, I have to watch it again yeah. to be able to properly engage with this. But at the same time, to me, it does feel like a lot of badly executed scenes that a very good ending sort yeah. of shove meaning into. Kind of in the way of Encounters of uh, the Third Kind. Oh, okay. <laughs> but again, I'm willing to... I'm willing to... More, well, with, like the, more with this, I'm willing to reevaluate. Yeah, so, Ricardo, what was your favourite thing? Uh, my favourite thing, uh, strangely, is Ben's performance. Mm. I think that he... Like, even the, uh, the moments when he's like, okay, uh, like, it's very hard for an old actor that is not actually not that like uh, brittle let's say (laughs) the yeah uh, like not on that doorstep to sell it yeah because usually it's oversold kind of like he did have a ridiculous death though yeah but like at the same time he had a movie death he had a mr turner death yeah (laughs) 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 regardless death face is funny but the the thing with it, like even when he like one of the the best that I like, there's so many moments that I just like, giggle. This movie makes me giggle, like <laughs> makes me so amused. Like when they're just walking around and they have like the two servants in the wheelchairs and they just show up, and because it's like really long lenses, it just looks like they they turn a corner and then they're being chased by the wheelchairs, mm, like parallax. No. But like, it's like how you say giggle. <laughs> but like, I, I, I love uh, his performance. It's very subtle. Like I said, it's like there's very few films that um, you have a character that you both like that you go, oh, I probably disagree entirely politically and as a person <laughs> or whatever. But he seems like the heart is in the right place. Yeah. It's just that like he's he so misguided by his environment. Generation, yeah. you know, class, everything. That he's like, oh, taxes are everything, whatever the conversations <laughs> that they they have there, whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. my garden, I had to move 
on from my house or whatever the old man died uh. and it was like uh. you know like and he's so like the like welcoming as well like you know not judgmental even like as a businessman that is like you failed you know like this person that is like about all about winning mm. that even like somebody of that bloody, statue, bloody lawyers yeah whatever that yeah. is like uh I, I, but at the same time, it's kind of like shit that he, other shit that he says about like American exceptionalism and mm. and such. Cinematography is great as well. That I bet that is your pick. Yep. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything is working in in this film's favor. Like the location, like the fact that so much of it takes place in beautiful old dark houses, like and that kind of architecture as well of like those certain types of townhouses and like places like Washington D.C. that are just ceilings for days like i mean that that particular kind of like color palette like you know i mean, always say it's like oh it's the brown color palette but it's only that it's like there's certain like, earthy tones that are so accentuated by that particular like type of film stock at the time that yeah. it's just it's it's warmth but also like just the, the sheer depths of the color to it and everything yeah. don't you dare look at the time when you talk for like 20 minutes sorry um but uh yeah i mean obviously Chanel is is fab anyways but um that's just i mean the shots of the street are just like mm, like there's so many american photographers that like are able to like um they're able to capture the, like the the essence like fo- like photographs that almost feel as if they've been colorized afterwards that yeah. you know what i mean that they're just it's like that that kind of weird like uh two-step technicolor yeah, at the time that I like love. not so like not even so many far steps removed from something like kodachrome like it's yeah. just oh mm. but uh yeah and it, like it really serves this film as well i think which is important i don't think like this is not a particularly flashy type of cinematography at all like i mean it, it's it's sitting behind everything else but it's just oh yes. i love how autumny oh it's so, oh yes actually that is one thing about the ending scene as well is that like i love that the jackets and the like the the little bit of snow on the ground and like thinking about how fucking cold washington is but um uh yeah like it's just it's 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 just beautiful and um i did i did really appreciate that um also um the other thing that i, I did actually like was um uh chauncey's how every time he meets someone he says their name it's very nice to meet you you know yeah yeah i kind of enjoyed that i liked how he said that there are certain things he says that he has a very good voice yeah but um uh yes yeah, so what was your least favorite thing i think it's uh the mishandle sexuality in the film like uh yeah i think uh, mine is the same actually it's weird because how Ashby like uh when the, like coming home that he did about the vietnam vietnam veterans coming home which Bruce Dern gives a demented performance and it's, it's not kind like of him. like proto but it's very proto Nicolas Cage well like the, two men not very far removed from each other oh yeah but like uh, but you can see the inspiration of Nicolas Cage there you know it's, uh, yeah we like to think as if Nicolas Cage was just organic you know as if he grew out of it. it's like no but going uh, uh-huh. back to the, the movie uh, the sexuality in this film like with the like strangely when she's masturbating on top of the fucking bear pelt i quite enjoyed that shot because it's so fucked up it's so twin peaks it's not even funny like i mean especially that bedroom as well think of ben horn coming in uh, yeah and like you can't even see the walls because there's so much like curtain and drapery everywhere yeah yeah. Like, it, it does look like the, the fucking hotel there sometimes. Yeah, it does. You just um, need, like, fucking David Lynch. But David Lynch would have, like, put, like, a little jazzy story uh, yeah, in the background. Yeah, he would have done something fun in the 80s with it. Um, yeah, yeah, like, no, I, I'm the same. It's just, it, that was where I really was just, like, I'm checked out here. It's like, just, oh, God. It's the fact that Shirley MacLaine is so great as well. Yeah. It was like, just, yeah. That was uh, being there, uh, which Orla wasn't a big fan of. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. Like, I expected, like I said, I, I had, like, <laughs> I've, I've kind of developed a, a little uh, sixth sense kind of thing, like a spidey sense. It's like, my spidey senses are tingling. When you're watching it or whenever you're giving your intro? No, when I'm watching them, oh. like, I go, like, okay, this would great her. This <laughs> is her. Like, they even mentioned I that. I have like, the same thing. You know, like, I bailed. Like, I don't bail. I didn't bail, but I went, like kind of like oh it could be divisive uh, yeah. i did get that in the very end of your thing you were like oh god okay um uh, but uh yeah so uh 
So, uh, what's uh, next week's film? Or? Uh, next week's film is I'm going to butcher this title now because it seems to have about three different translations. So I'm just going to look at it here. But it's um, it's our beloved month of August. Um, yeah. So where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, at The Right Game on Twitter, The Recommendation Game at gmail.com. You can find us on The Recommendation Game Mixcloud in the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. And you can always catch us on Double Danger Radio Mondays, 11 to 12. Um, Listen live, it's fun. Yes. And uh, that's about it, I'd say. <laughs> that's about it uh, um, for this fine Thursday evening. I was Orla McGuinness. And I was Ricardo Deegan. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>